0: Welcome back to another episode today's show is brought to you by Envision a simpler, cleaner, better future. Envision is a renewable energy project funded by blockchain technology, providing a better access for cryptocurrency. For more information visit nvzntoken.com and to acquire the NVZN token, visit whitebit.com. Again for more information on the NVZN token visit nvzntoken.com. And if you'd like to purchase the token, visit whitebit.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. Um, if you don't mind just doing a quick intro for the people that may not know who you are, what you do.
1: My name is Michael Morse. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I'm a lawyer. I'm an author of the book fireproof. I'm a father of three daughters. I've um, been running my business for almost 30 years now and now Uh, The book Fireproof has kind of taken us into the coaching realm and we're helping all kinds of businesses figure out how to run a good business, how to market and advertise, how to look at their data properly. And so it's kind of a whole new thing that we're getting into very kind of entrepreneurial uh, aside from the the lawyering, which I'm loving, um, which has taken us to a whole new place, which is just super fun and meeting lots of nice people and get to do fun podcasts such as yours. So. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, honored to have you on. Um, if we could take it back to the beginning of your journey, and you know, kind of talk about how your interest, uh, you know, stem or where your interest stemmed from, and um, what the early stages sort of were like for you.
1: Well, I kind of always knew I was going to be a lawyer. My father was an attorney. Growing up, he loved what he did. He was successful. He made it look fun. Uh, as a young, young kid, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I used to go to his office with him uh, on Saturday mornings and meet his, you know, meet his employees and meet some clients once in a while. Uh, I'd go to court with him once in a while. And it was just kind of, you know, it was great. He was not one of those dads who was complaining about his job or who dreaded going into work. He was always very positive. So I think it was very easy for me to just step into those shoes and say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, go to law because nothing else really, I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to go into construction. I wasn't going to be an accountant, nothing else really interests me. So, um, all through college, I kind of knew law school, law school, law school. I applied, uh, for only law schools in Detroit, so I could be close to him. And, uh, I got into university of Detroit and moved back home after my undergraduate career in Tucson, Arizona to lovely Detroit, Michigan
0: when did you make the transition to starting your own law firm as opposed to continuing to work for one and uh you know what did you learn by working for one um
1: so my dad was a big proponent of wanting me to work for other lawyers he didn't want me just working for him he wanted me learning from what he would call real lawyers uh which was always funny because obviously my dad was a real lawyer but he'd say you know he was a solo practitioner he wanted me to work for a firm so my first summer job after first year of law school, I got a clerkship for the largest personal injury firm in, in Detroit, I believe in Michigan at the time. And I learned a ton and he was right. It's Cause I learned from 10 or 15 different lawyers. I, uh, they, they weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, taking care of me. They were making me work. They were critiquing me and I wasn't their kid. So I had a real job and I was getting paid real money. It was making 10, 11 bucks an hour, and it was it was phenomenal. I did that for um, I did that for an entire summer, and then I went back to my second year law school, and then I got a job at a smaller law firm. Following that, learning how to uh, run cases, write motions, take depositions, and I stayed with that job for three years after law school, um, and I learned. I like to say I learned how not to run a law firm, if that makes sense. I'm very observant, I've had lots of jobs, I've worked in lots of situations, and I find that people tell on themselves, they, they if you observe and you see what's going on, and the firm I worked for, while they were good lawyers and they made good money, they didn't know how to treat employees, they didn't know how to keep their word, they didn't um, understand culture or core values or, any of the things that we now, thirty years later, really understand, you must know to run a business. So I learned what not to do, um, and then in 1995, after they fired me, I started my own law firm, and I did the opposite. I communicated with my employees. I told them exactly what was going on, what was working, what was not working, what I expected from them. I had core values, and I told them this is this is what you know we need. Uh, to run a good business this is these are the these are you know the rules this is everything and it's worked and i have lots of employees who've been with me 10 15 18 years um and so i learned a lot to answer your question um just by observing i mean obviously i learned how to be a lawyer okay yeah. Yeah. but i'm talking above that I, I learned how to how to run a business how to be an entrepreneur how to Um, problem-solve and treat people the right way Um, by being treated the wrong way you learn how to treat people the right way so
0: that's kind of what I want to dive into is um, the elements of a successful business or being a successful entrepreneur as opposed to just having a certain skill set and being able to be productive you know what are some of the other surrounding elements that you've observed Um, and maybe we could even talk about the elements that you observed that were negative uh, that led you to being, you know, doing the opposite of that. If we could talk about both sides of the equation. Right. So,
1: you know, it's so long ago. I just want to be real clear with your listeners. I ran a business for the first, my first 12, 13 years. It was, you know, by the seat of my pants. Um, I didn't, I wasn't running an operating system. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a consultant. I had family members and people who would give me advice, which was very helpful, but I kind of had to figure it out on my own. And I got, I was successful and I got up to about 30 employees and we were doing pretty well and making good money and and helping a lot of clients. And then I, 12, 13 years into it, I I hired a real coach. I started started spending money and time on that and it took me to a different level. So I really feel like I have the best of both worlds. I know what it's like to do it yourself. And then I know what it's like to have a consultant slash coach, which is what I'm doing now. And, it's, it's kind of night and day. And I think most entrepreneurs out there, 90% or more are just kind of figuring it out because they're smart and they're industrious and they're entrepreneurial and, and they can get themselves to a certain level without advice and without coaching. And then I believe that you need a coach. Like every single athlete out there needs a coach that that most, I've not met a business leader who didn't need a coach, quite frankly, and it takes you, took me to the next you know level and we were able to go from you know 30 employees without a coach to 150, 160 with a coach. We were able to go from 17 million in settlements to 160 million dollars in settlements with a coach and understanding how to run a business. And most business people don't know how to run a business, um, let alone lawyers. I mean, a- any anybody, I mean, it's it's you know, unless you even in MBA school, uh, for sure in law school. They, they don't teach you the nuts and bolts, they teach you a lot of theory and they teach you how to, you know, a lot of, you know, numbers and you do learn your data better in, in, in MBA school and schools like that, but Most people are, are learning, learning themselves and don't have those fancy degrees. So, I mean, I can dive into anything there, you know, whatever you think is interesting.
0: Right. No, I, I, I can see that perspective. I'm curious to hear about The input that is uh, that uh, coaches provide, you know, that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, like the elements that you have observed that have been of value or beneficial in order to grow a business or run a business more efficiently. You know, what are the what are some of those things?
1: Well, at the very beginning, you know, my coach made me sit down and say with my executive or leadership team, whatever you call it. um, Why are you guys successful? Why have you, what has gotten you to where you're at? And he called those core values. And we, the four of us at the time sat down and, and, and took hours to figure out why we were successful, not what characteristics or traits we want to have in the future, but today, what makes you guys successful? And we did it. We came up with, um, six core values and to this day, they've never changed and we have them. You know, we use those to hire, fire, reward, recognize people to today. And it helped us look at our future. And these are the type of people, you know, I'll give you a couple examples, people who are dedicated to winning, people who are, you know, who, who create really good work, great work, um, hard workers, um, people who are willing to give outstanding customer service. These were the types of things we were doing. So when we went to hire somebody, We made sure that they had those attributes. We would ask questions about them. And then when people would do those things in the business, we'd reward them. We'd recognize them. So that to me was, you know, really, really important. And for an entrepreneur, I promise you some of the entrepreneurs listening to this are going to say, who's got time for that? Who wants to sit down? Who wants to slow down to really sit in a room and figure that out? Well, I surely did not want to. I was uh, always moving a million miles an hour. Time was money. If I I shut down my office, bring my executives to a, to a meeting for eight hours and and not bill and not work. Come on. And so it took me a couple of years to make that decision to actually hire that coach. Finally, I did. It's the best decision I ever made. Um, We set up, we figured out what our niche was. We figured out what our core focus was. We figured out, Um, how to track data and numbers, which we weren't doing and what what that meant. Uh, We we understood how to hire people better, how to evaluate some of our current employees better. Um, We looked at our marketing. We talked about advertising, all these these things. And, um, you know, we learned how to have good meetings. We weren't having meetings. We were having zero meetings. Now I know how to have a really, really good meeting. And it changes everything. All my employees have to have a meeting every week. Um, People say they hate meetings. Meetings are boring. Meetings are a waste of time. I could not disagree more. Uh, A good meeting with an agenda and a same time, same place every week um, with a designated time that it's going to go is super critical to every single business. Um, If if the executives or people are not in meetings every week, I don't believe that company is going to do well. And I think many companies don't have robust meetings. And uh, I think it's a mistake. So, I mean, there's there's probably a hundred more that I'm not saying to you right now, but those are some of the bare bone characteristics of things that I learned, that I learned 13 years ago that I'm still implementing on a daily, weekly basis, um, looking at my numbers every single day and week. Um, and it's it's just been a game changer. There's no more guesswork. There's no more running around Uh, I learned how to delegate. I learned how to work in my sweet spot. Um, No more, you know, wasting time on stupid tasks that I shouldn't be doing or I didn't love doing, or I wasn't great at doing. Um, I mean, there's a lot there to unpack that I just gave you, but that's all those things I learned from coaching. um, And I do those all today. And I, I would not be where I'm at today. If it wasn't for, you know, understanding and implementing all of those, tasks,
0: right? There's tremendous value in um, creating sort of an infrastructure around your productivity, especially when you're starting a business as an entrepreneur. But I I feel like when you're when you're um, earlier in in your journey, or when you're a young entrepreneur, there's there's several factors that contribute to you not wanting to create an infrastructure, whether it's the lack of money, resources, whether it's the ego getting in the way. Um, And I'm curious to hear from your perspective. You know, earlier in your journey when you were starting out, how did you figure out who you wanted to associate with? And um, and the follow-up question would be, you know, you mentioned you don't like doing certain things or the tasks that you uh, that aren't worth your time. But when when you're earlier in the journey, you kind of have to do those things. So how did you kind of personally balance that and then uh, figure out you know who you wanted to delegate tasks to or associate with?
1: So I feel like there was like three questions in there which I appreciated. There's a lot to talk about. And, and and one thing you made me think of were my processes. So after 13 years, my coach said, you have to document your processes. And that's kind of what I think of when you say infrastructure. And of course, when you're a young entrepreneur is not going to take the time to write down their processes or figure out what their infrastructure was. So when I first came out of law school, I worked for other people. Those, of course, were your obvious mentors. I mean, they're the only people to look up to. I had my dad who unfortunately died when I was in law school, so I I, I couldn't. You know, continue to look up to him. Um, but I did instinctively go watch people do their craft, whatever it is, right? And and um learn from them. So when I was a waiter, I would learn from the better waiters and I would ask them questions and I would follow them. When I was a law clerk, I found the smartest and most successful law clerk and asked that person questions and befriended that person. When I became a lawyer, I had my lawyers that I worked for, but I also looked around the community. And I would, when I said, when are you trying another case? Can I come watch you try that case? Of course you can. I said, well, can I help? No charge. Can I, work? sure, you want to read deposition transcripts in a trial? You can help me carry my bags, blah, blah, blah. So I can't think of a business where you can't find a mentor. Um, and you're not trying to be one of those annoying mentees, but you're trying to be somebody who is, most people want to help. So you ask good questions you offer your services for free, you go watch even if they don't want you to watch. I mean, there's lots of things that you can do. And I was just kind of, you know, curious, I think being curious, I think the more people you ask for help, you're going to be surprised. I'm surprised how little people ask me for help. Mm -hmm. I've never said no to giving help. Um, I've never said no. If somebody called me and said, can I, can you mentor me on this topic? Can I watch you do this? I've never said no. And I haven't gotten that many, but that many asks, why is that? I I, I don't know. Um, When I first started out, I went to the largest TV advertiser in my town. Um, I had an introduction. Somebody offered to introduce me. And I I said, sure, I will take any case you don't want. I will pay you whatever you don't want. Um, Thank you. Um, and it started working and I started doing a good job and I started sending over lots of money and they started sending more stuff to me. So I, I see how this can apply to any business, right? I don't care if you're a stockbroker or you're a, owning a restaurant or, you know, I know restaurateurs who bring in young rest, restaurateurs and teach them and talk to them and have lunch with them. I mean, I, I really think that successful people like helping and I mean, that's why you're doing this podcast, obviously, because you like to help, you like to train other entrepreneurs, you like to share, you like to do that. That's why there's so many great podcasts out there right now. It's, it's That's what it's about. You're not doing this for the fame and the money and the glory. I, I And I don't know you that well yet, but it's just people want to help other people and the good people obviously do. And so that's what I found. And I've been, you know, I'm not afraid to ask for help. I, I don't have an ego when it comes around that. When I don't know something, if I ask, if I don't understand a word or a phrase or a situation, I ask. I'm not uh, embarrassed in any stretch. I don't think it makes me look weak. I think when people admit they don't know something or ask for help, it makes them look stronger and smarter. That's may just be me, but but I'm a business owner of a very large business, and and I think, I hope to think that that is uh, universal. Um, but I think it's just asking questions, being curious, um, and and ask a lot of people. If you get some no's, just, you gotta keep asking for help.
0: I think it's uh, it requires having a level of humility that is often, um, at least in the current context, kind of missing, especially amongst young entrepreneurs. Um, and I've certainly fallen victim to that. We get caught up in the loops and the illusions on social media and creating sort of this image as opposed to actually being you know actually making progress actually learning um and there there there's so many factors that contribute to this your sense of self your self image you know the way you view yourself the way you get validation from how other people view you and then that creates a persona that isn't real and that drives your day-to-day sort of motivations and actions and it makes you not want to prioritize actual progression because you realize if you do it yourself if you maintain this image there's so many things so many nuances but maintaining that image is why you're getting results so therefore doing anything that's out of character or takes away from that image could maybe take away from the results but um i'm sure in your journey you've had to have had uh, a level of humility openness and curiosity like you expressed But if we could talk about humility and the importance of that, you know, how do you detach ego? How do you detach your sense of self um, and be open and willing to carry someone's bags or read transcripts and do the things that maybe aren't as glamorous?
1: It's a really good question. Um, How do you be humble, right? How, 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 uh, I think it's, you know, a lot of it's upbringing Um, and, you know, I'm sure it's, some of it is, I've never taught anybody how to be humble. Um, I've had conversations with my daughters about, um, humility and, um, you know, when I, I saw one of my kids, you know, not showing off, but showing something that, that something that made me uncomfortable. And we had the conversation about bragging and about, um, you know, not showing off and those types of things and i know those are a little bit more surfacey than what you're asking but it's it's not the easiest lesson to learn and put away your ego and um because i think people inherently like to show off and like to um you know be the superstar out there and you know as you get older and you have enough hard knocks i think you know you learn it you know i've been fired from jobs i i've been You know people have attacked me i've I've, you know been beaten up here and there but you know um i know who my friends are i know who my family is um i know i'm a good person and i try to you know i try to tune out the noise and when you get more successful you have to have a thicker skin and this is an entrepreneurial podcast so hopefully everybody listening to this is going to have some success and the more successful you are the more your competition is coming after you, the more people are coming after you, and you have to be ready. And the more humble you are, the more you could find that humility that we're talking about, the easier it's going to be for you, the less likely you're going to um, get attacked or get um, um, you know, beaten up a little bit. But it's you still got to be ready for that. Um, and it's, it's, it's just served me. I'm not, uh, you know, I just, I'm not out there showing off anything. Um, and I just try to stay true to myself and true to my core values. And I, I, I think I have, you know, when you lose a dad, when you're 21, 22 years old, you kind of gotta, um, you know, unfortunately figure out this world on your own. You know, I have a great mom who's helped me and, and she's fabulous, but at least for a son, losing their dad, it, it, it's a massive blow. And um, so I, I, I remember, you know, I look back to the first 21 years that I had with him, and, and he was a pretty humble guy. Um, so I, I reach back to those early days. Um, but I look around and I, you know, kind of like what I was saying about mentoring. I also watch and I'm a good watcher. I watch people. I watch people on TV. I watch people in my community. And I say, Oh, I like, I like that energy. I like that attitude. And I really don't like that energy. And I don't like that attitude. And for me, it works. It works for me. Not only uh, I'm a very visual person. So it works in business. It works when I'm trying to figure out how to hit hit a right golf ball. Uh, It, it works um, truly. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, when my kids were taking swimming lessons, when they were kids, I wasn't a great swimmer, but I watched. And the next time I got in the pool, I, I mimicked it, I emulated it and it worked. And it's the same thing being an entrepreneur. I think, who are the people you admire? Who are the people out there doing it the way you wanna do it? And it doesn't, whatever that means. Um, and when I see you know, uh, great comments or great charity giving by certain entrepreneurs that I watch, I'm like, oh, I like that. That's smart. I want to give back that way one day, or I'm going to do it now, or how they treat employees, or when you read business articles and entrepreneurial articles about flex days or four day work weeks or fifteen dollars an hour or whatever it is, I copy it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I have, I have no shame when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. If I see a great business idea, a great entrepreneurial idea, I just rip it off, and I think that that's a compliment. To the entrepreneur that i'm ripping it off from um and i know i'm saying ripping it off like it's a bad thing but it's a really good thing
0: no there's no shame and, there should be no shame in to emulating behaviors of successful people and you know just being inspired by them and applying them to your life and your world um however that does require execution that does require having drive and if we could talk about that you know where that drive comes from with that desire to execute and keep progressing and helping other people. Where do you think that comes from?
1: So I know you read my book fireproof and I outlined a lot in that book about some of the trials and tribulations I had as a child and you know, where it comes from, it, it, it's totally your upbringing. It's totally how you grew up as a kid. You know, I, I dealt with multiple divorces. I dealt with physical abuse. I dealt with bullying in middle school and high school. I dealt with a dad dying at 21. I dealt with, and more, okay? So not a pity party at all, but that's where I get it from. I mean, that's, you know, had I been, had I grown up any other way, I'd be different. I don't know how I'd be different. I could be better, I could be worse, but I know um, what I don't ever want to feel again. I know, Um, I'm 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 I've been through enough therapy and enough coaching that when something hits me in my life, for example, um, insurance companies that I deal with all the time love to bully. Well, I was bullied when I was a kid and I don't like it. And I said, I'm never gonna be bullied again. So when somebody bullies me, I know it. When I was in middle school, I would hide. I didn't want to get beaten up, right? At high school, I would hide. I was a 130-pound kid. I wasn't gonna get into a fight. And but now I don't hide because I'm pretty smart. I got a team of 40 lawyers behind me and I take on these these multi-billion dollar insurance companies like they're nobody's business and I win. And we win a lot and we do it because we are just smarter than them. We are harder working people than them. Uh, We care, We're, we're representing a person, they're representing shareholders. So that's one example, right? So you asked where it came from. Well, one of the examples is I was bullied and I'm never going to be bullied again. So I'm very conscious of that. I don't care if I'm in a restaurant and somebody's trying to bully me, or I'm in business, or a plumber could be in my house trying to bully me out of money. I don't know, but you know, I'm I'm I I go to those depths. I'm aware. I'm self aware. Arsh, I think that's really important. I've never actually had this conversation with anybody. It's an interesting conversation that you're you're getting out of me here but I think you have to be self-aware um, about your about your childhood, about your strengths and weaknesses, about where this stuff comes from. If you're not self-aware and you don't know who you are or what makes you, hell, I mean, I, I think you're not gonna be a, a really awesome boss, really awesome entrepreneur. Um, and, and again, that comes from hard work. And hard work, I mean, knowing yourself, that might mean therapy, that might be taking personality tests, which I take all the time, the Colby's, you know, the Enneagrams, all the entrepreneurial testing that every single one of your listeners should be doing for every employee they ever hire. We do that, I've done it to myself, I've done it to my kids, I do it to my friends. That's how you really get to know know yourself. What are my strengths and weaknesses? And if you don't know, take a test. Those tests are pretty darn accurate. They'll tell you what you're really good at, what you should get help with, um you know what you should delegate out uh you know some people and then and then you got clueless entrepreneurs who they might have some success but they're not going to be liked they're not going to be loved their employees are going to hate them and uh, you know those people we all know those people they think they're the greatest but people are talking behind their backs because you know they run a crappy shop um but you know listen that's a good question and um Hopefully, I answered it. I don't know if I did it. No, absolutely, or not, but... there's
0: tremendous value in what you just said, and I think self-awareness is one of the most important elements um, in any entrepreneur's journey or in any human's journey. In any human's journey, to be honest, because if you assess yourself and figure out, you know what you're comprised of, you have a better understanding of how you maintain relationships, how you come across, how you can be more efficient in in this existence, essentially. Um, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective, you know, how you find a balance between that, meaning being self-aware, but not being too pessimistic about your flaws or recognizing your flaws and not letting them engulf you or, or uh, you know, consume you to the point where you can't then function and move forward.
1: The only thing that came to my mind, and again, I've done 100 podcasts. It's the first time anybody asked me that is... you when you lose a parent at 21 years old you don't get bogged down you don't you don't you don't you realize at an early age how precious life is and how short life is and i know that may not help many of your people but that's my answer i mean that's i i've gone through life not thinking i was going to make it to 50 years old my dad died at 49. I went through life thinking I was gonna die before age 50 because men follow their dad's patterns right and when I made it to 50 it was like whoo I mean and, and now I got you know the next 30 40 50 years uh, uh, not to be worried um, but I I never um, I just I don't know I just never was bogged down by, by that self-doubt and self-pity and um, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna ruin my life like that. Cause I didn't know how I thought life was short and, and I've never, you know, I have three young daughters and I've never as busy as I was at, at certain times. I've never missed a soccer game, a baseball game, a, uh, a recital, a trip, a, a family dinner, never once, never once have I missed one for work. Um, and that was just, it, it wasn't a decision. It was like life short, man. I'm going to, I'm going to be there for every single um, bit uh, because my dad wasn't able to be there. So, um, it's, it, and it has served me. I live, I tell my kid, I, first of all, I, I live like every day is my last. I've told my kids, guys, you know, I love you. I'm not going to, hopefully not going to die early, but if I do just know that I've lived every day happy and doing what, exactly what I want to do. I'm not miserable in my job. I'm happy in my job. I love, love, love what I do. They see me travel the world. They see me hike and golf and 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 be with my friends and be with them. And um, that's the legacy I want. And that's kind of how I live my life.
0: No, that's that's very um, admirable. That you're sort of um, an experience like that has you. You've come out uh, with a positive perspective and a positive outlook towards the world, as opposed to maybe some individuals that we use that uh, to justify you know why they act a certain way why they act out or why they feel bad for them uh, for themselves and, and stuff like that so it's really admirable and um i'm sorry if i keep bringing that back up but um i do want to transition to some of the some of the challenges that you've faced in in your entrepreneurial journey in your personal journey and how you've kind of maneuvered through them um We could even talk about relationships you know what some of the elements of relationships are how do you maintain successful relationships with clients people that you interact with uh, and anything else so
1: i'll just go with the last thing that you said because because there's a few really good things in there. But my memory doesn't let me uh, remember all the things. Well, I, um, I
0: switched it. Sorry to cut you off. I switched it because uh, the question that I first asked would have probably brought us back in the circle. Okay, uh, so I just wanted to kind of completely transition. Um, yeah, so I'll rephrase it a little bit for continuity sake. But um, if we could just talk about some of the elements of relationships throughout your journey, you know, how do you maintain relationships with clients or people, uh, whether when you're networking or working with them? And, um, you know, how you've been able to do that personally.
1: I think positivity is a character trait that I try to live by that has served me. I think that um, people, you know, pick up on your energy when you're talking to them, when they're with you, when you're on a phone or in person, Um, people pick up on that. And I pick up on it. I'm a very big uh believer that you can read a room you could read a table like when i was a waiter i could walk up to a table and know what this table needed from me okay i'm your waiter mike morris what you know and i would walk up and i would say you know are they are they are they do they need a a funny waiter tonight do they need an educated waiter tonight who's going to teach them about this do they need me to stay away um what, what you know they want me to be funny but kind of rude you know everybody wanted something different and so i can read People, I can read juries. Um, that's what made me successful in the courtroom. I can read judges. I, I can just know, are they for me? Are they against me? Do I got to backpedal? Do I got to shut up? Do I got to push forward? Um, and so I, I, I treat every relationship like that, Every everything, clients, employees, uh, business people. Um, I'm positive. I bring energy to the table. I bring truth to the table. I um, I'm a, I believe I'm a truth teller and I tell the truth and I think people like that and I I, I like to under promise and over deliver in my relationships. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it Um, because I know I have this crazy personality that you know. I, I, I remember. If you say to me, uh, Mike, I'll call you at 1115 and you don't or you call me at 1122, I remember it. Now I'll talk to you at 1122, but I'm going to know this guy is not timely. This guy is not punctual. This guy does not care about my time.
0: make that mental note.
1: And when I make a mental note and when I'm late, like I was late for you this morning, two and a half minutes, I was mortified and I don't like to be late. And, and I get that from my dad actually. Um, and you didn't care and you were gracious about it, but you know, I, it bothers me. So. I try to bring, you know, integrity to what I do. And I expect that from the people I interact with. Um, I have figured out in my life, you know, what I want to be doing and what I don't want to be doing. And this may be going off tangent with the relationships, but it's kind of related is that once you really understand that in your life, like, what are you really great at? and What do you love to do? And you try to stay in that box, everything else kind of falls off. Or you delegate everything else i try really hard not to do things i don't love to do and that might sound very foreign and full of shit to some of your listeners but it's absolutely true anybody who knows me knows that's true i won't have a meal with somebody i don't like or i want to be with i don't care what it's about i won't do a podcast with somebody i don't respect or like or has a a respectable podcast i won't um I won't take on a client that has unreasonable expectations, and and I know that we won't be able to satisfy that person. I am sorry, there's better people to handle your your matter than us, um, and that serves me. And quite frankly, it's if you said to me, you know, I, I have probably fifty great entrepreneurial things that I do. Maybe the number one thing, maybe, is the delegation part, which encompasses what we're talking about doing, trying to work on the things that you love to do and are great at only, only those two things, which is take took me years to get to, but now that I'm there, it's outrageously, um, motivating and makes me successful. It makes me happy. And, you know, if, if, if your listeners heard one thing from me today, that if they could strive to get there, um, and delegate all the other BS life. I promise you will be better. Life will be good. And every single person listening to this has dozens and dozens of things they do in a day, a week, a month that they don't want to be doing, that they hate doing, that they're terrible at. And the goal is when you're successful enough that you can hire people to delegate those things to, do it. Don't continue doing the same stuff that you hate doing or that you're really bad at. That's, That's no way to live. And I assume that your listeners want to get more successful. That's no way to get more successful. So if you want to keep getting more successful and grow, then you need to start delegating uh, the stuff that you shouldn't be doing.
0: I appreciate your time, sir. Please let the people know where they could find you, uh, where they can get the book and the website and anything else.
1: Sure. Uh, The book is called fireproof. It's on Amazon. Um, at 855 mike Wins is my handle on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if anyone wants to email me, it's mike at 855MikeWins.com. And I uh, love chatting chatting with entrepreneurs and anything I can do to help, I love to do. I also have a podcast called Open Mike on all of the podcast channels. We also videotape it, it's on YouTube. We have a pretty good following. My, my award-winning TV commercials are on there as well. Uh, Lots of fun stuff on our YouTube channel, Mike Morse Law Firm.